You're listening to My Mummy. The sun is shining, the bees are buzzing, it is springtime. You're listening to Mind Honey. This is Kaysen. This is Juniper. It was very NPR-like. I like that intro. <laughs> We're getting better at this. <laughs> <laughs> so today's topic, I want to get a little mood going here. Let's begin with a story. Mm. So, it's beginning of fall. We're outside camping. I don't know if you realize this, but I figured out how to camp last year. I did not realize this. It involves slippers Mm -hmm. and uh, blow-up mattresses and a bunch of pillows and blankets and a canopy to cover the said Mm -hmm. cush pile so that you can be camping outside and also lay down. Mm -hmm. So... I'm with some of my closest friends and um, we decide we're going to do a mushroom journey together. And so we're kind of like, we do a whole like beautiful ceremony with cacao and like blessings and like, you know, it's very beautiful. And then after maybe an hour passes and all of us are like, not really feeling anything. It's a classic. Yeah, classic, classic. And so we can, you know, we kind of consult the inner guides and our communal guides and um, pass around a bag of mushrooms. So as I'm like holding this bag and I've, I've taken some and I'm looking into the bag and this one mushroom is just like calling to me and I can see, I can see into this mushroom soul and I can see this is going to get dark. Mm. And I'm like, okay. I'm willing. So I eat the whole mushroom. (laughs) (laughs) And fast forward about an hour, give or take, you know, time. I lost all sense of time. Someone said the word tomorrow, and I looked at them like, I don't understand what that means. But before we got to that point, I'm laying on this cuddle puddle, this cush pile, uh, cuddling my two friends. And I'm just looking out and I feel like I'm looking out with my eyes at this desert, at this beautiful nature. And with my heart, I'm grieving a relationship that had ended some time before. And the the darkness I saw in the mushroom was like, okay, we're going to go to some some real hard feelings here. And I just start like crying Mm -hmm. and I can just like I feel you know, the tears, the water on my face is coming down and my friends are just holding me and eventually they notice that I'm crying and they're like, is there anything that like wants to be said? And I'm like, well, I feel like I'm, like I'm losing a part of my soul in this breakup. And they, we, they just like hold that with me for a little while. And then one of my friends says, you know, it's kind of like this person was your favorite witness of Mm. yourself. And I don't think 
that you're losing any part of yourself by not being with them anymore. And that's really stuck with me. Mm -hmm. This idea of like favorite witnesses. Another word I like is mirror or like mirror souls. And, Mm. you know, you are the universe. I am the universe. To look at you is to look at myself. To look at this plant is to look at myself. So Mm. everything is a mirror in a way. But the topic I'd like to talk about today is like, who are those people Mm. and then what are those like awakening experiences where you have a witness to your own soul a mirror to your own soul where you discover a part of yourself that maybe you didn't know about before or you haven't been able to see in that way and how has that changed you Mm. well there's a lot there (laughs) yeah i i cannot remember his name, um, but there's this amazing poet uh, who was on the Sam Harris podcast, um, and he talked about friendship being about witnessing and being witnessed, mm-hmm. and that also stuck with me when I heard that because it's true. You consider someone a close friend when they've witnessed more of you than others or more than maybe you even witness of your own self. Mm. Um, there's a, a trust and a com- camaraderie and an opening that allows deeper and deeper parts of yourself to be revealed to them. And um, there's something that's healing about the witnessing of yourself the giving and the receiving of yourself. Um, And I think we've all been in that space where we feel amazing when we can really be ourselves with somebody. Yeah. Maybe more than we thought possible, right? Because I think as you begin to open yourself up, you realize, oh, there's parts that you've just always kept inside. You maybe don't even get them out when you're alone, right? Mm -hmm. And there are those moments where those parts come out in front of somebody and they're just fully receive it without a, without a blink or, you know, so much as a, um, a slight reaction to, to what you're, you're sharing with them. And that is exciting you know, it's, it feels exhilarating to be seen some aspect of yourself to be reflected back to you. You're like, I know this about myself, but this is the first person who's also saying that. Mm. So. Yeah. It's almost like to be seen makes you realize you exist. Mm. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that just opened up a space. Um, We kind of habitually do that. Um, We go around bouncing ourselves off of things to make sure that we're still here. Yeah. (laughs) And that's actually a really profound pointer because, you know, a huge aspect of meditation practice is 
allowing yourself to rest in an open unknowing. And if you practice enough, you'll start to see how some aspect of you scrambles when you come in contact with this open mystery. Mm-hmm. It starts scrambling to make sure that, hey, am I still here? You know, it tries to bounce, you know, send out like an echolocation and be like, <laughs> yeah. Anybody home? Yep. Okay. We're still here. We're online, everybody. Everything's good. Yeah. And so much of our relationships, I think if you're especially deeply asleep to your own patterns of behavior, um, so much of our relationships are getting that response. Yeah. I think they're formative. I mean, I think that's, that's how infants sort of learn to become a person is they're getting their mother's attention. And when the infant reaches out for attention and it's not given, it creates a moment of openness, of mystery, of like, what's going on here? I sent out a signal. I'm not getting anything in return. Mm -hmm. And then that's how the pattern starts to form of like, okay, I'm going to try screaming now. (laughs) Yep, that one worked. And from there, it just snowballs into a whole slew of complex personality traits that we call myself. Yeah. Yeah, I think, like, what I'm curious about is, like, yeah, like, okay, we're talking about, we're doing this all the time. Mm -hmm. We're sending off these signals. They're bouncing back. And I'm thinking, when I was thinking about this topic, I thought of a couple of situations where, it felt like it woke me up to a part of myself that I didn't fully see or like it was like after that, it, that changed me. Mm. Like I wasn't sig- s- sending out the signals in the same way after that experience. Yes. I'm thinking of um, years ago, I was at this social justice conference at Pendle Hill and um, there was this, old woman like an elder there and her role of the week was as a weaver and so we would have these like pretty intense sessions with like hard like big topic like heart opening mind challenging topics like hard things to hear about hard things to process and like several times during the day but especially at the end of the day she would like sit us all in a big circle and she would like weave the day Mm. like ask us questions and she would always like provoke like the deep feelings of the day she would always like make us talk about what we didn't want to talk about like Mm. what we were like skirting around like Mm -hmm. and um and then just like weave it together with her words and like this kind of communal thing to help us integrate yeah these things and it was such a beautiful um a beautiful role I've like thought about that and her a lot but one day after the session she came up to me I'm n- I'd never met this woman before this week at all and she just like looked at me like deep into my soul and I was just kind of like hi mm. <laughs> and she was like you're an empath mm-hmm. and I was like yeah like how how did you know? <laughs> like, what, what are, what are you seeing right now? And she's like, well, I can see into everyone else, but you have, like, I can't see into you. Like, you're not allowing me to see. 
And she was like, do you want to go talk? And I was like, yes, I want to go talk. And so we went alone into this room and talked for hours. And she also, she just knew all the stuff about me, about like my like gender fluidity, about like being bisexual, about like all of this. Like it was just like this, this different ways of like thinking about things. She just like saw me. Mm. And um, I felt so surprised mm-hmm. by that sight it was before I had named any of these things to most of these things to other people mm-hmm. and it was like this like oh it's like one of those like pinpoint moments in times like you got you know you got the stream that's just going and sometimes things feel like a triangle where mm-hmm. it's just like oh this is a point that's going to change everything yeah And she just gave me like some basic tools for working with my energy and like opening up my sight, like psychic sight into Mm -hmm. like seeing other people and like how all of this stuff. I've never seen that woman again. Mm -hmm. And like that witness of Mm -hmm. myself Mm -hmm. profoundly changed my life. Yeah. And like, yeah, for a while there were still those like echo waves that I was sending off like, am I really feeling your feelings? Can I really see what's happening? Is this sight true? Like what, it was like a lot of that questioning, a lot of doubt I think is in those echoes. Um, And like we're saying, that's, that's not bad, but it's just where we're at. Mm -hmm. But after a while, that like pinpoint in time, like became what is now a channel inside of me that is clear and strong and like has a lot of trust and a lot a lot a lot of practice (laughs) yes yeah that that being seen the the experience of being seen validates your existence yeah right so much of our patterns of behavior are around hey validate who i am and what i am Right. And I had a similar experience um, at um, the Tulum retreat last year with with Bethany, uh, where she witnessed me in that way. Mm -hmm. And I recall having so much pain throughout my life because I was never seen Mm. ever. Um, And I. I could let it all go because I could see clearly that it's nothing personal. Those who can't see, can't see. Yeah. (laughs) And when you're around a bunch of people who are similarly trapped by their own programming and their own patterns, they can't, they can't look up from their own mind. All they look when they see is their interpretation of, of experience of reality. Mm. They don't see reality. Right. Uh, they can't see reality, you know? And so I felt so much grief and sadness my whole life because I'm like, nobody nobody understands me. No one knows anything about me. No one has received me into this world. Yeah. Um, and being witnessed in that way by Bethany, finally I felt like I've arrived, mm. right? Like I've finally been seen. And after that came the this deep peace and relaxation where I could stop posturing and pushing and trying to get recognition, mm. right? And I don't mean that in like a self-important, like, 
you know, look at my fine works and recognize <laughs> my talents kind of way. I, I mean right. it in like a, I'm a human being. What I am is valid, right? We all seek that. Yeah. And I think a lot of our most horrifying personality traits come out of, of those needs, those deep, deep spiritual need to be to experience presence at a soul level with with other, to commune with other souls yeah. and um what that uh elder was doing in the in these spaces was being that witness for all of these people who are suffering like you don't show up to a, an activist rally unless you're suffering <laughs> yeah right and um yeah just heard what you said again yeah yeah and and so she was actually there as a benevolent being to witness the suffering with compassion yeah and that spaciousness and compassion allows that suffering to come out be seen and dissolve absolutely absolutely transformative power of love and attention yeah. Which is, I think compassion is that, like love and attention. That's right. Maybe with some warmth thrown in. <laughs> yes, compassion is... Well, there's, a, there's an actual definition for it, um, a technical Buddhist definition. Can't rem- recall it exactly right now, but it, it's, it's recognizing the, the emptiness of everything. Um, so that you don't take appearances or interpretations as reality. So you can be with anything and everything without turning away from it Mm. or trying to plaster over it or dance around it or whatever. You can be with it directly and witnessing it. Um, Mm. Be unshakably present. Right, it's like a mother who's just lovingly caressing her kid's head while they scream from a terrifying nightmare. Right, it's just uh, unshakable presence. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. This is making me think about. So you and I both see in the in the extraordinary sense sort of way i mean i see something i don't know what i I don't know what it is (laughs) and i think like you know we've each just shared like a profound experience of being seen and what that how that can transform Mm. um this feeling of of grasping this Mm -hmm. feeling of of longing of of wanting to belong of wanting to arrive of wanting to like feel okay yep at peace just accepted mm-hmm. of wanting unshakable presence that's it and i think um you know sometimes people ask like what are you doing in this life like what's what's your purpose mm-hmm. <laughs> and um in the last few years like what I've come to respond to that is like, I want to see people Mm. and help them see themselves. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I personally view that as like step one in that is seeing myself and mm-hmm. allowing myself to be seen. And that like practice opens the way for like that presence and attention with other people and seeing and then allowing and it's vulnerable it's not just like oh I'm gonna come in and like see you it's also like I'm really hurt and really angry and really Mm. frustrated and I I have this feeling that's uncomfortable that I don't want you to see and Mm -hmm. like letting myself be seen in those things too you know it's not just not just like the gifts it's also like our patterns and yeah yeah, self acceptance allows you to accept others. Yeah. Right. Like, and the really radical part about self acceptance is once you start getting the hang of it, you really start to accept parts of yourself that you think are despicable, right? Like, and other people might be rightfully mad at you, <laughs> but you're not mad at yourself. You know, you're like, well, I really fucked that up. I'm sorry. Um, But I'm not going to not love myself. You know what I mean? And that's hard to do when you've got some forms of behavior that are quite unacceptable. Yeah. (laughs) But you're you're not going to get past them until you can accept yourself totally. And by doing so, you give yourself permission to accept other people who have unacceptable behavior. (laughs) And I say unacceptable in quotes, right? Because technically... Nothing is unacceptable, but we have these sort of these echoes between a collective programming and an individual programming that go between us, right? Yeah. Right. The the collective just sort of sent out a signal into us and we chose which parts of it to keep and then we send our own echoes back out and then the collective grabs on to which patterns they want to keep. And so there becomes this definition of acceptable and unacceptable, right? Like you can't scream and cry while we're at the nice restaurant, you know, that's unacceptable. Mm -hmm. Or um, you can't snap at your kids for spilling the orange juice or whatever. That's you're a bad parent now. You hate your children, right? There's so many things that you should and shouldn't do and can't do. And we're really wrapped up in a lot of them. The layers of it goes really far and wide. So being able to accept accept yourself in that moment where you snap at your child, you maybe behave in a way that you feel a little remorse about, you know. It's necessary. The image I'm getting listening to you is like those echo patterns. Mm. It's like a matrix yeah and i think anytime like in this idea of like seeing and witnessing and acceptance i think we're all saying like the same thing Mm -hmm. it like wakes you up from the matrix just for a moment Mm -hmm. sometimes a big moment sometimes like a pivotal life-changing moment sometimes a very ordinary moment like oh wow hey i'm sorry that i yelled at you that way and then we move on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that like waking up. What an ongoing mm-hmm. journey. Yeah. I, as far as I can tell, it's a never ending one. Yeah. That 
that word matrix is so funny. <laughs> it's so played out, but at the same time, it's so appropriate. Um, another way of just putting it is like interdependence, right? Um, nothing is self, uh, nothing arises of itself. It, you know, it's all in relation to something else. There's no, yeah. um, freestanding object that exists. And in that sense, it's a matrix because we're all in it. Yeah. You know, there's no getting out of it, you know. Um, well, I mean, there is trans, there is transcending it, but you're, you're still in it while you're transcending. It's hard to explain. Yeah. I, I think <laughs> that's like that, that feels like that gets at like what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. I like, um, the idea of like we exist in an informational field. Mm-hmm. Like we're all energy and we're all affecting. Everything is affecting each other at any point. And there's yeah. that like, how are you receiving the information? How are you giving the information? Mm-hmm. Is that just coming from conditioning from this kind of unconscious or habitual or right. numb or reactive place, any of those places? Mm-hmm. Um I feel like anytime there is that like moment of attention or like unshakable presence or like being seen mm-hmm. or seeing that it's like this like timeless little like, hey, it, it, it's like stillness is what it feels like to me. It's like a pause almost on yeah. like this like interplay. It's all still happening. Everything's happening all the time or has already happened or whatever, right. but. Yeah, it's not like we get out of it, but it changes the way that we experience it. Yeah, you know, that's the subtle, subtle realms of spiritual practice Mm. that can't really be spoken about. Um, And yet we try. We try so hard. (laughs) We we are trying here. (laughs) Yeah. And I like it. It's good. Like, how else are we supposed to? Yeah, I don't know bump our heads into it (laughs) yeah yeah it's it's this alternation between the spaciousness the empty openness of of complete unknowing complete mystery where there's Mm -hmm. no ground there's no reference point there's nothing and yet you are there and the more you have this unshakable presence you can give and receive freely there's no there's nothing within you that that the information gets tangled with and you know yeah co- there's nothing within you that colors the movement of energy in and out and so you can it just comes into the infinite emptiness and then from the infinite emptiness you can send something back out again yeah. um, and that's where you have freedom only in that presence you do not have freedom when the signal comes into you. It turns the switch for this particular routine. Switch gets turned on, and then you just like a little wind-up toy, just go off and do your <laughs> routine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is how most of us, yeah. most of the time, are operating. Yeah, it makes me think about like the way that chi moves in the body, mm. and um, there's like an acupuncture point on the leg. Stomach 36, Zusan Lee. Um, it's three miles more. And it's this 
extremely tonifying point on the body. It's on the stomach channel, which is like the stomach chi is like what runs your lifeblood in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, it's a beautiful point for working on the immune system or boosting someone's health or just kind of calling in this antipathogenic idea of like, you're alive, you're healthy. Mm. And, and, um, one way of activating that is, um, walking three miles. This idea, like you can walk the, the ability to keep walking three more miles. Mm. And so I, I tried to have a daily practice of walking three miles and sometimes like, I don't know if you've ever had this experience case in of like realizing like your shoulders are tight mm-hmm. all the time or like maybe you have a headache or like maybe your like stomach's a little bloated or you've been like sitting a while and that like lower back, like creak ache, like mm-hmm. feeling in Chinese medicine. Those are all like your chi is blocked. Mm. There's this saying like, where there's free flow, there's no pain. Yeah. And so I begin like my three mile walk every day and I'm, I'm immediately very aware of every area that there is no free flow. And I'm just like, and something happens, something magical happens literally every time (laughs) in a different way. And whether I'm aware of it or not, that like the chi begins to move in my body and sometimes I'm I'm willing to go with it and sometimes I'm resisting it. Mm-hmm. But there's times when I'm just like, okay, what am I feeling right now? Oh, I feel this like flush of energy. Or like I'm like, oh, I realize that my shoulders are coming up towards my ears. Can I like invite my shoulder blades to feel gravity again and like come back towards earth? And this like flow of chi mm-hmm. opens up. I, it reminds me of that emptiness that you're talking about. Yeah. Like we can, even if it's hard to like get pinpoint, like talk about that in spiritual language, like Mm -hmm. we experience that in our bodies Mm -hmm. all the time. Yeah. The pointer there is to rest with the fact that what anyone is, is not other than experience. You cannot say where your mind is. If you look for mind, you won't find it. (laughs) And yet you are aware of your experience continuously. But you can't really say where experience begins or ends. Where is your body in relation to your mind? Like, What is the difference between an internal experience and an external experience? You start to see that this is one big soup. It's one big soup, and it's a real convincing illusion, this perspective of Mm -hmm. being a separate meat object, you know, (laughs) that can like somehow walk around and, and interact with the world. But... I notice tension in my body when my mind is agitated. Mm-hmm. And there's no agitation in my mind at the same time. There's a totally relaxed body. And so the my experience of them as being completely inseparable. Yeah. 
Um, and that's really witnessing your, yourself. It's when you start to see th- there is no self. I mean, I, we're getting into the jargon at this point, but <laughs> for those who haven't had the experience, that sounds totally ridiculous. There is no self. Well, what do you mean? I'm right here. Well, yes, you are, and you aren't, right? Because there's no you who has a mind. There is no you who th- gets an ache in their knee or whatever. Mm. There is simply the experience of achy knee. There's simply the experience of thought. There's the experience of bloating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? There's the experience of ice cream. There's the experience of... And when I say experience, it's it's you showing up and knowing the feeling of the chocolate ice cream in your mouth. It's cold. It's temperature. It's flavor the sweetness of it it's just the experience of 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 what is right you were there for that yeah and you can label things which is your interpretation it's a helpful shorthand Mm -hmm. but when when you point to a book and you say a book is that your experience of it no it's not that's a label Mm -hmm. you're giving it you're collapsing an an entire infinity into the word book but there's dead trees in there what how did those trees live where did they come from what about the rain that helped those trees grow up what about the lumberjack who cut it down and the paper mill people and it's all connected to it all Mm. when you look at that book that's the experience of a book if you truly see it but we'd stop short of seeing reality quite often and we go to sleep in a very weird way i don't know how to explain it yeah um but it's it's yeah it's it's like we're not even here for our own life we the the thought pops up from time to time telling a story about something you know i had an ache in my back yesterday right but Right there, you're just experiencing a thought that said, I had an ache in my back yesterday. What is your experience right now? That's the witnessing, right? And that's when you can do that with another being or other beings, it becomes incredibly amplified. It's such a powerful and spiritual experience. Yeah. Because they're, it's like two mirrors with a laser beam going between. <laughs> it's just like building energy in a massive way. Um. And it helps you truly connect rather than being with the image you have, the interpretation you have of another being. Yeah. Right? Being with the image you have of yourself. Right? Because that's all yourself is, is a collection of imagery that you find acceptable. (laughs) You know, I'm kind of grumpy on Mondays, but I'm, you know, Generally a happy person, like, <laughs> says who? Yeah. 
Like that's definitely like that might be a story you have for yourself about yourself, but that's definitely not the story somebody else has. Maybe, but highly unlikely. Yeah. I feel like that really ties into like where we started this whole thing of like seeing and being seen and witnessed is like, cause it's not like, you know, if I were to come in and be like, Kason, you have a beard. <laughs> right. <laughs> Do you feel seen? (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's not just like Mm -hmm. saying like, oh, here's this thing about you. Here's like, Mm -hmm. like going up to a book and being like, this is a book. Yeah. It's got a red cover. Right. 300 pages. But if, if I'm like, Kaysen, I see this like sparkle behind your eyes that like comes out like in the way that you think about things that's fun and playful and curious and like makes me excited to talk to you that it begins to get at something mm. it begins to get at like what what how am i experiencing you mm. in this moment i'm noticing like oh wow the ways that you're holding your body and you're talking are like slowing things down and inviting me to like be right here to be right here in this space with these microphones and these headphones and having this conversation Mm. how how beautiful that feels yes feel is the right word Mm. because when you were just speaking to me right now i experienced the witnessing but not in your words it was Mm. in your silence silence which was the ground of your words mm. the ground that your words sprung from is where i was feeling seen because i mean i don't know if my eyes sparkle i mean that's very sweet but, <laughs> but i could see that i was being seen okay um it's uh it's like that knowing glance or something. It's just like th- those people who really know each other well, they don't even need to talk, right? Like, yeah. like when you show up into a room and somebody looks at you, you know, you're like, ah, yeah, here we are. <laughs> we see each other, right? I like the the classic Ram Dass adage where he's like, far out, are you in there? I'm in here, you know? Um, <laughs> And that's the seeing, right? This is a silence. And you can really get it from people's eyes, right? Like that's, that's why I like, you know, it's true. Eyes are the windows to the soul because there's all this movement happening. But if you look in the eyes, you see a silent being yeah. in the eyes. The eyeball itself can't express anything but you can somehow see so much in it, right? The face <laughs> its wild. The face all around is moving. The eyebrows are going up and down and whatever. It's animated. But the eye is just an eye. And you can see into it and see this being there. You can see, I mean, sometimes really profound depths. And the, there's the physical act of looking with your own eyes. 
But then there's this full field of experience that takes place. And that's the, the total seeing in the moment. Yeah. And that's, that's why I think eye gazing is one of the most powerful practices that you could do. Especially with people that you might find like disagreeable or uncomfortable to be around. <laughs> Just gaze into their eyes for like five minutes. It'll blow your mind. I feel like that's a good invitation to leave our listeners with is like maybe warn somebody before you're about to do it. <laughs> but yeah, no aggressive eye gazing. <laughs> yeah. Consensual <laughs> eye gazing. Yeah. But yeah, like go look into somebody's eyes and see, which is to say experience, which is to say feel. 